Welcome to episode seven of the Not Your Mama's Autism podcast. I'm Lola Dada Ali. In episode six, we walk you a bit through the start of our Texas story, where we chase the silver linings we could in the aftermath of shattered expectations. In episode seven, we now dive deeper into how we navigated the healthcare system in Texas, particularly health insurance, the ups and downs associated with securing it, along with some expensive lessons along the way. According to the Autism Speaks website, all 50 states now have autism mandates. What is an autism mandate, you may ask? It's a requirement that state-regulated health insurers must provide coverage for autism spectrum disorder. Let's boil down the autism mandates between two states, the ones relevant to our family story, Wisconsin and Texas. According to the Wisconsin Office of the Commissioner of Insurance, an autism mandate requires health insurers to cover certain treatments for people living with autism. The state statute requires health insurers to cover at least $50,000 annually per year for up to four years for intensive level services. And these intensive level services are required between ages two and nine. For context, services could be categorized as intensive when ABA therapy is conducted 40 hours a week. It also mandates health insurers to cover at least $25,000 for non-intensive level services adjusted annually by the Consumer Price Index. An example of non-intensive services could mean ABA therapy conducted in a clinic at 15 hours a week, where some of the therapy involves a focus on social skills with other children. There's no age limit for non-intensive level services in Wisconsin. This Wisconsin law that I just cited does not apply to self-insured health plans from an employer that is subject to federal jurisdiction. Let's move on to Texas to compare. Its autism mandate also requires health insurers to cover autism treatments such as ABA. To be made eligible for coverage, the person must have been diagnosed with autism before they turned age 10. Before this age, there is no legally required cap for any services, but after age 10, there's a maximum benefit of $36,000 annually. Tosa and I researched both laws before we move to Texas. And it's something we suggest that everyone does who's looking to cross state lines with loved ones on the spectrum. So what did that mean for us? Well, at the time, our children were only four and two when we moved. So that would give our younger child, the one with the more severe form of autism, a decent amount of time for good coverage before she would reach age 10 and then later qualify for the lower coverage amount. So that part of our decision matrix was covered. But the part that was a minefield for us at that time were the loopholes in these mandates. They didn't apply to every single health insurance plan. Let me explain. These mandates that I just mentioned does not apply to self-insured plans that are regulated by federal law. So those organizations with these types of plans were not legally required to carry this insurance, the ones that would cover things like ABA therapy. 
So some employers who had these type of plans chose to cover autism. Others chose not to since it wasn't legally required for them. So a family who didn't qualify for Medicaid with an employer who had a self-insured plan regulated by federal law was left on their own for highly important services for our population of kids. My husband's employer at that time had such a self-insured plan. So they were not bound by state law to carry the kind of insurance that we needed for our kids. Back in Wisconsin, Tosan was considered a scholarship fellow with the same level of health care as a state employee. So his health care plan fell within the parameters of the Wisconsin autism mandate. Knowing about this loophole in Texas ahead of time, we called the insurance company associated with Tosan's employer directly. They told us on multiple occasions that they covered ABA. So we thought that we were good. What we didn't know was that, yes, the insurance company had the capability of covering ABA, but it was contingent on the employer as to whether or not they would include that into their plan. Lesson learned, really and truly. Expensive, life-changing lesson learned. Never, ever to be replicated again. Also, the length of each therapy session per child may vary from state to state. For example, back in Wisconsin, a speech therapy session is a full hour. In Texas, by contrast, it is largely 30 minutes a session. Even the number of speech therapy sessions allowed in a day can vary widely from state to state. Again, for example, when we were in Wisconsin, we could have two speech therapy sessions in the same day, as long as they were not back-to-back. In Texas, you cannot have more than one speech therapy session per day. So back in Wisconsin, my kids could have up to two one-hour sessions every day, while Texas has 30 minutes a day tops. Think about the potential difference in outcomes over time. I remember the first time I sat down in the waiting room after I dropped Alero off in speech therapy. 30 minutes later, baby girl came out. I was confused. I said, where's the other 30 minutes? I asked innocently. The speech therapist asked, what do you mean? I thought speech therapy sessions were an hour long. I said, you know, I based this statement off of my days back in Wisconsin. Oh, no. We don't have speech sessions for young children past 30 minutes due to their young age, I was told. It's an attention span issue. I look confused. I told her, that's an interesting explanation because in other states, even at the young age of two, we had speech therapy sessions for a full hour. Perhaps we were her first family who received services in another state. How could the length of services be so markedly different from state to state? That is not something we thought to do any research on because we made the erroneous assumption that the length of therapy would be the same everywhere. Alero would need two sessions just to equal the level of service her brother received at her age in another state. The unfairness of it all weighed heavily on me. Our decision to move meant that it would take at least twice as long to potentially see the same positive outcomes. There also appeared to be more practitioners that wanted some form of private pay. For instance, 
there was an ABA provider in the area who would charge $100 just to take a tour of their facility. A different therapy provider charged us over $100 just to obtain medical records when we were switching providers. Even though keeping these records were a part of providing these services and the insurance company was already billed. This was not something we were at all used to coming from Wisconsin. I eventually started working part-time in local government. At the time, I was deciding between that position and pursuing a full-time one about 45 minutes away in another suburb. I eventually chose proximity and flexibility over a longer commute. To me, it was the best of both worlds. I could work outside the home part-time while still being home to coordinate our kids' health care. Since navigating the Texas landscape was not challenging enough at the time, our family would receive yet another blow. After running errands one day, I got home in time to see Tosan sitting on the floor. He did not look right. So I asked him what was wrong. His big, expressive eyes met mine, and he slowly began to tell me that he had been laid off from his job. Nearly a year and a half into our Texas journey, this news certainly made me sit up and take notice. What would be our next steps? What would this mean when it came to paying for the kids' health care? I stopped thinking long enough to walk over to Tosan, sit down next to him, and simply tell him, it's going to be okay. I thought that he would be out of work for about three months tops. Six months at the absolute worst. We would figure it out. We would find a way to make this all work. With two graduate degrees, Tosan was confident that he wouldn't be out of work for more than three months. But we were both mistaken. It would be nine long months, nearly a year. Shortly after hearing the news about Tosan's job, I would be approached by my then boss to fill a newly created full-time position in the legal department, a full-time position that would come with healthcare benefits. I would end up working full-time less than two weeks after Tosan's last day. My salary covered food, shelter, the kids' healthcare on the private marketplace, and our new employer-backed healthcare. Like my husband's previous employer, my employer's health insurance didn't cover ABA either, but at least we had most of what we needed, but not without some bumps along the road. We would also get an expensive lesson when it came to booking medical appointments. One of Alero's doctors recommended that we undergo genetic testing to get a better understanding of her full medical picture. Understandable. So we called the children's hospital to set up an appointment. I was asked by the receptionist if I wanted the first available appointment. I answered, sure, thanks. We underwent genetic testing. Several weeks passed and we received the medical bill in the mail. It was Tosan who went to the mailbox that day, a day that would live in infamy. We didn't think anything of this envelope that would bring us so much angst. We were covered by insurance, so we were expecting a bill consistent with the family who was covered by insurance, right? But there were many zeros, a few more zeros than initially anticipated. We would open up that envelope and see a bill for genetic testing equaling 10000 Dollars. When the receptionist asked me if I wanted the first available appointment, 
I assume she knew that I meant first available anything that was covered by insurance. It turned out that the facility was covered, but the doctor assigned to the testing was not. So everything that doctor ordered for testing was not covered by insurance. Lesson learned. We called the hospital to try and explain our case, how we were covered by insurance, but somehow they managed to assign us a doctor that was not covered by our insurance. They did everything but laugh in our face. We still owed the money. Again, lesson learned. Around this time, we would then receive a letter in the mail stating that the healthcare coverage provided by the ACA marketplace would terminate on December 31st of that year. At that time, multiple providers were leaving the marketplace in Texas. We contacted our private insurance broker, and he had no idea how much the next year's cost could be, since what remained could be scarce and likely be far more expensive than what was being offered this year. That means that we only had about three and a half months or so to find health care coverage that covers ABA at an affordable price point. I saw this as a sign that maybe we weren't supposed to be in Texas. My brain was now on hyperdrive, wondering if Alera would fall back into regression yet again. Still grateful for the opportunity of full-time work, healthcare had reared its ugly head again. I knew my employer was self-insured, just like my husband's old employer. So having insurance that covered ABA therapy was not legally required. Still, holding on to hope, I called the HR department to ask if they covered ABA therapy. They told me what I already knew. We do not cover ABA therapy. We are not legally required to do so. Understood, I replied. Thank you. At that time, nobody at work knew that our kids' healthcare days were numbered. I sent out an email to friends and family asking if they knew of anyone who could connect us with job prospects in Wisconsin or Minnesota, two states that we knew had insurance requirements that leaned toward more employers having to cover autism treatment in their insurance plans. We also were looking for jobs in Texas with employers who voluntarily chose to cover autism treatment that had self-insured plans. We even started looking for federal government jobs because we heard that their insurance providers would start covering autism treatment beginning in January of the following year. Tosa started reaching out to headhunters, and so did I. We had to get back to a state with an insurance framework that was more conducive to our healthcare needs. Our kids were still small. They needed the full kitchen sink of treatment thrown at them, and things just got too hard for us here too quickly. We already had plans to travel back to the Midwest to visit family and friends. Deeply missing Madison, we made a trip within a trip by first heading to Chicago, then traveling to Madison, then returning back to Chicago before we headed back to Texas. It was in Chicago that I met up with a headhunter in person and discussed potential job prospects. Before we traveled to Wisconsin, we sent out an email blast to friends asking them to keep an ear to the ground of any job opportunities that they thought Tosa and I would be a fit for. I would even tell friends personally that I would take anything as long as it had the kind of insurance that would cover our kids' needs. I would return back to my now newish full-time job and simply wondered how all of this would work. What would happen to the kids' care? 
but particularly Aguilero's care, once December 31st of this year passed. I called the Chicago office of the ABA provider that Alero used to use in Madison. I put the kids on the waiting list so that they would be ready to go in case we needed to move. Still, I would show up to work every day and get through it. Despite numerous phone interviews, things just weren't working out. There didn't seem to be a good fit. We prayed as to what to do about next steps. Osan kept looking for work both in the Midwest and in Texas while I was working full-time but looking for work back in the Midwest, just in case. With about six weeks of healthcare left, I decided to call back the HR department of my then employer. I'm not sure why I did that. Maybe because it was around the time of my employer's open enrollment period, meaning that it was that time of year for employees to choose or change their health insurance plans and benefit options. It was wishful thinking at the time, quite frankly, hoping that maybe just maybe something had changed. So I asked the same question I had asked several weeks earlier. Hi, I was wondering if our insurance plan to cover ABA therapy in the new year. It's a common therapy used in autism treatment. I asked in a way as if I hadn't just asked the question recently. It's funny you should call. We will be covering this therapy in the new year because parents of children on the spectrum have asked, and we thought it was important to meet our employees where they are. So starting January 1st, we will start covering ABA, the HR representative said. My brain was short-circuiting. January 1st, I thought. January 1st, as in right after my children's current health care plan would expire? So there's nothing I would need to do since I already signed up for the insurance, right? I asked and clarified. The insurance would just start automatically covering autism on its own? I asked. That's right, she answered. Okay, I said calmly. Thank you. God bless you. She laughed. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. I hung up the phone. I took a moment to process what had just happened. Alero would be able to continue services. This was really happening. This was not a figment of my imagination. I called Tosan multiple times, but he did not answer his phone. I wanted to scream at the top of my lungs in my office, but I had to be professional. Lala, stay professional. The months of constant interviewing and trying to figure out what to do next was exhausting. But now, Alero would be okay. Alero would not suffer. I quietly left my office and walked out of the building. I walked to my car. I opened the door. I managed to get myself into the car. I closed the door and I cried. I hadn't cried this hard since Alero's diagnosis, but it was tears of joy this time, not helplessness, just pure joy. My daughter had health care. It would not be discontinued. It would not expire. She would not suffer. Tosan called me. I picked up the phone. He could tell I had been crying. You okay? He asked. I'm more than okay. Babe, we have insurance, I said. What do you mean? I explained what had just happened. There was a silence, long enough to be an awkward one. Then, Tosan just started laughing. A big, deep, belly laugh. God is good, he said. 
I got myself together, walked back in, and got back to work. Although we now had insurance, we still had one income. The insurance would come with a $2,500 family in-network deductible, along with a $13,500 out-of-pocket max. Tosa will break down what that means to a family with two children on the autism spectrum who had a team of doctors and therapists needed to administer treatment to their babies. Start with a deductible in-network or out-of-network is basically the amount of money from a copay perspective that you should expect to pay before your your insurance company or your employer comes in to share some of the burden of the payment. So in most cases, your deductible will be just around around number of $3,000. And when you hit $3,000, then your company picks up a share of the burden, usually an 80-20. The really good companies do 90-10. Some phenomenal companies go straight to 100%, but that's very rare. The company will share the burden until you get to what is called the out-of-pocket max, which could be you know, $6,000, or in our case, at one time, it was $13,000. God help us all. Um, and when you hit the out-of-pocket max, the sharing flips totally. Uh, the sharing effectively ends and flips to the company, and it becomes the company's burden where they cover all of the covered services. They pay for 100% of the covered services. So when choosing insurance, um, especially for family with special needs kids, in, in our case, we have two. Knowing the differences between um, your deductible and your out-of-pocket max is actually critical to make a, the right choice, considering the fact that most of the time, families with special needs kids will most likely almost always hit their out-of-pocket max. It, be, it might be a better financial situation where you choose a plan that has a lower out-of-pocket max, even though that plan comes usually with a higher premium, which is the monthly, think of it as the monthly service fee you pay to be part of that insurance coverage. So we always do this every year where we essentially calculate the true cost or annual cost from an insurance perspective. And most of the time, taking the pain in terms of a higher premium in order to get a smaller out-of-pocket max is usually a sm the smarter idea because, you know, like we joke in our case, baby girl will eat up that out-of-pocket max <laughs> before we know it. Alero would now have nearly every treatment she needed, except one, the prompt speech therapy mentioned in our previous episode. But we would have to make sure that her team was in network to keep costs down. Things were moving along. Things were going relatively well until my birthday in February. Everybody in the family was finally on one health care plan. I was employed, so someone was actively looking for work, and the kids were in school and treatment. I was sitting in front of my monitor at work when I received a call from Alero's ABA therapist. She got right to the point. Of course, she didn't know it was my birthday, so she unknowingly gave me a present that I didn't want at all. Hi. Is everything okay? I asked. I wanted to make sure that I didn't have to leave work to go pick up baby girl early for any reason. I'm okay. We need to talk. This will be Alero's last day at the center. Your insurance provider informed us that ABA services are not covered. 
What? I asked. But you got the pre-authorization. They approved her ABA services. What is going on? I don't know. But we've been trying to get them to understand that this should be covered for nearly two weeks. So since we've hit this dead end, we just want to let you know that this was Alero's last day. I will call you back, I said. I called Tosa and told him what happened. He immediately called the insurance company and went into fact-finding mode. I, on the other hand, transformed from professional woman, government attorney, to mama bear, who was now on the prowl. I called my HR department and told them that I needed to talk to them immediately. I explained how my daughter's provider was having issues with our insurer, and the tears just started flowing. This should not have to be so hard. In Wisconsin, we had the same type of insurance for two whole years. By now, the kids already had three different types of insurance. Tosa and I had two different kinds, and people were playing games. I was emotionally drained. I think it's it's a bit of a an injustice, and quite frankly, unfair that a family's fortunes and mental health, especially special needs families or uh, families with special needs, kids of any kind, that their mental health and their fortunes for not just them in the present, but their future is anchored almost entirely on the quality of uh, health insurance um, that they happen to have. And if for any reason, you know, either the company, um, the parent is working for the sites, uh, which companies do almost every year, um, decides to change their policy, uh, their insurance policy coverage in any way, shape, or form, and um, decides to drop, you know, coverage for the, whatever particular therapies the family is dependent on. You find yourself in that situation, you know, by no fault of your own, all of a sudden facing a financial cliff that is frightening. You know, you you double that in in a case where the parent uh, loses their job and you're forced into the, the either the um, Obamacare market, which is getting thinner and thinner, or onto Medicaid, usually in a situation where due to the lower reimbursement rates for Medicaid, your choice of offerings in terms of therapy um, providers significantly shrink. And I just think for you know the richest country in the world, the, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstrap. And in America, you can become anything you want. That that much of your future and that, your financial future and that much of your mental well-being is hinged upon just the singular aspect of your life in terms of health insurance, in terms of health. It's sad. And it's, uh, in my perspective, it shouldn't be. As I explained to the HR professionals what happened, They were highly attentive and listened to everything. Of course, I started crying. The fear of Alero's regression was just on the surface. I thought we now had the type of insurance the kids needed. Now we were here jumping through yet another hoop. It was exhausting. The HR team called some special direct line and talked to a liaison. The liaison confirmed that my employer did have the right type of insurance that covered ABA. He explained that there must be some type of glitch that he would take care of. Management informed the liaison that he needed to fix this as fast as possible. 
I profusely thanked the HR team. It was close to lunchtime, so I decided to take a short walk to calm down a bit before I returned to my office. I talked to Tosan. We exchanged notes. He told me what the insurance carrier explained to him, and I explained to him how the full force of the HR department contacted the insurance carrier. I walked back into my space, closed the door behind me, took a breath, and sat back down in my chair. I got back to work. Near the end of the workday, I would get a call from Alero's ABA therapist. She told us that she received a call from the insurance provider. Wow, you and your husband don't mess around with insurance. I was told that this was a mix-up and then everything would be fine. Even apologize for the inconvenience. I am not a smoker. I'm not a heavy drinker either. But after I hung up the call, I felt like I could have benefited from a nice shot of bourbon and a cigarette. What a day. Brad Wilson is the office manager of our kids' occupational therapy provider. He agreed to sit down with us to discuss how the insurance landscape works from the perspective of a provider. Um, My roles with insurance are filing the claims, checking up on the claims, filing appeals, sending in medical records uh, when they are requested, and anything. If you're dealing with us and insurance, I am the person that's dealing with insurance for you. On a daily basis, I would say it's about 40% of my time is on the phone with insurance every day. Uh, Now, 90% of that is actually spent dealing with either automatic prompts or waiting on a representative or being on hold while the representative, quote unquote, researches my issue. Uh, I would say, though, that probably another 40% of that time may not be speaking with insurance directly, but it would be preparing the medical records. Uh, authorization requests and appeals that we do send to insurance. A lot of insurances have a pretty low visit limit when it comes to therapy services. And we have had situations where they only get 20 visits for an entire year. And, you know, that can be really tough. Uh, So I have had that happen. We do try our best to keep up with that as much as possible. With the amount of patients that we have, that's increasingly getting harder and harder for us to to be able to keep up with. So I do always ask the family to also try to keep count. Uh, but that's that's probably the worst that I've had is they only had 20 visits and, you know, we've used all 20 and it's March. <laughs> we have the rest of the year to go. And not only have you hit your 20 visits, but you never did hit your deductible. So insurance really didn't help you out in this situation. Typically in those situations, if they're kids that especially require, you know, two or sometimes three visits a week, I actually recommend trying to find a supplemental insurance, even if it's a private plan just for that specific child and no one else in the family. The problem that we have right now with insurance is you have so many different plans, policies, state laws, ifs and thens, um, your buts, and it just it's so convoluted and it's so confusing and nothing really makes sense. And on top of all of that, when you call to check if a service is covered and they say, oh yes, of course it's covered, but this doesn't guarantee that it will be covered. That doesn't make sense to me. So I honestly think that when it boils down to it, it just has to be black or white. You need to either cover this service regardless of what's happening around it or regardless of what state that they're in or regardless of even how severe the uh, diagnosis may be, your therapy either needs to be covered or not, just cut it out at that point and be done. 
if your insurance policy either does or doesn't cover it, almost all insurances have family advocates and most people don't know that. So I would definitely call and fight for an, a family advisor or a family advocate through your insurance company. If your insurance company doesn't provide that insurance, I would say to find other families that are in the same situation as you and actually get a referral to an insurance broker. That's going to be your best bet for someone that knows the industry, knows how to get what you need and make sure that your child's covered. From the parent perspective, given the high out-of-pocket max on one income, we would still have to navigate how to ensure the kids get their much-needed health care in a more cost-effective way. So we got creative. We applied for and was given a grant that allowed us to offset health care. This was huge and helped us reduce costs. When we got notice that this would happen, we were beyond grateful. That summer, I could tell that not having a job was really getting a tussle. It was like he and I switched places. What I was doing in Wisconsin, he was now doing in Texas. Kids chauffeured, taking them around to various therapies. It was a lot. This life was not what any of us planned, but we would work on putting one foot in front of the other. The only thing missing from our kids' treatment was a special kind of speech therapy that we alluded to in the last episode. The insurance we had through our employer was not the type of insurance she took. It was either the right type of insurance or $250 an hour private pay. As that summer dragged on, it was getting harder and harder to pay for some of the kids' medical costs. We sat down with some family friends over a meal to talk. They didn't know the amount of money we needed to give Alero's ABA provider that month to cover costs, but they decided that day to give us a monetary gift. The amount happened to match that month's cost of therapy, nearly to the dollar. The timing, again, was just what our family needed. Through a family friend we went to church with, Tosa would hear about a potential opening at a company looking to fill a void in their finance department. After a couple of rounds of interviews, Tosa would receive that long-awaited offer. Not only would we be a two-income household, but now, as we would find out, we would finally have the type of insurance that allowed Alero to have the speech therapy we had been praying and hoping for. The health insurance offered under Tosan's new employer would be approximately half the cost of the plan we had with my employer. A little over two years into our Texas journey, our daughter would finally have the level of health care she had in Wisconsin. When companies are in negotiation with the insurance policies, our families are not front of mind, which will go tie back to, I'm sure, a future episode you're going to do about how within the workplace, how is autism, how is special needs, how is it treated? You know, how is the caregiving aspect of an employee uh, within the workplace, how is that viewed? And I think we, we, we're beginning to get a critical mass of some sorts, at least get more vocal where companies are beginning to understand that we can bring our whole selves to work if this part of us is not taken care of. And perhaps we can see some tangible changes as we uh, you know, march into the future, hopefully. 
moving forward, whenever Tosa and I would look to change employers and start interviewing for jobs in the future, we would make it very clear early on in the process that we are parents of kids on the spectrum so that we can discuss benefits early. If they did not cover ABA therapy, we simply would not continue. Insurance coverage is crucial to our family running optimally. So this is not something that we can take for granted. It's that simple. The roller coaster ride that would be insurance in Texas would finally be coming to a close. Maybe, just maybe, Tosa and I could begin to not live in a constant state of wondering where and when the other shoe was about to drop. Maybe, just maybe, Tosa and I could breathe again. Thank you for listening. In our next episode, we discuss how our situation got us really thinking about the importance of planning for our family's future financially. If you like what you hear, please tell at least two other people about our podcast and please leave a review. You can also check out our story at notyourmamasautism.com. Not Your Mama's Autism podcast is hosted and written by my mom, Lola Dada Ali. And it's also co-written and produced by me, Fella. My dad, little sister Alero, and I are all occasional contributors. My dad, Tosinali, also helps produce sometimes. Big thanks to my aunt, Olane Williams-Ali, who did our graphic design. See you guys soon.